Hey everyone, welcome back to the National Fire Radio Podcast. I am Jeremy, the host of the National Fire Radio daily episodes on the audio channels. Thank you for joining us. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. If you've been here before, thank you. What we could ask, and what I do ask, is like, share, follow, subscribe to the channels on whatever audio platform you listen to, because it does help us in the ratings and it helps us push this forward. We have had unbelievable support by this community, and I am so proud and honored, and it holds us accountable to make sure that we continue to push out the very best content we can possibly give you. This week, April 17th, 2023, leading into FDIC. This is the week prior to FDIC. This means all of our loose ends have to be tied up before we leave this coming weekend as we head out for the week in Indy. FDIC, if you've never been, I suggest you try to get there. I know that there's conversations about it's expensive and it's hard to get there. It's hard to take a few days off. It's, it's hard to afford it. I get that. But this is the largest trade show in America in regards to the fire service. And so if you can or have the opportunity to get there, please try to make that trip. I promise you this, between the exhibition and the hot training, it's the brotherhood and sisterhood that goes on there and the networking and connecting. It is incredible. If you have the opportunity to get the FDIC, I strongly recommend you try to get there. Let me talk about a few things leading up to FDIC. Um, the 2448 podcast. You'll hear an advertisement for them during the podcast. We are joining forces at FDIC this year. We're going to be in booth 13073 in the main corridor. We're going to be live podcasting from the booth during FDIC. Come find us. We're going to have guests and manufacturers in the booth having conversations as well as doing some question and answer stuff and everything else in between. That's going to be a lot of fun. So come find us in booth 13073 in partnership with the 2448 podcast. A couple other things this week. Training Partners. National Fire Radio presents Training Partners. You're going to hear about this in one of the podcasts this week about what Training Partners is all about. Something new that we're getting into, and we are very, very excited about that. And to share that with you, our community, this audience that has been so incredibly supportive, we are excited to bring you even more content in a different lane. Let's go. FDIC. We're going to be there. Like I said, we got a bunch of projects with a bunch of different manufacturers. Uh, Pip from the size up. He's going to be working with Mercedes Textiles uh, in doing some uh, health and wellness uh, stuff from the Mercedes booth. And we'll get you more information on that. Us, our large project this year, we're going to be working with Rev Group. Uh, Rev Group is the uh, parent company to many different manufacturing brands of fire apparatus. We'll be in Rev Group's booth this year. We're going to be there Thursday and Friday from 2 to 4 both days. We're going to be doing live walk-arounds of the TDA on Thursday. They're going to have a tractor-drawn aerial there. We're going to be doing a live walk-around with Steve Crothers and the crew from Tractor-Drawn Aerial, as well as the aerial specialist from Rev Group. So look for that. And then after that, we're throwing a happy hour. It's tiller time in the Rev booth. Join us in the Rev booth on Thursday from 2 to 4 for its tiller time happy hour. And then on Friday, we're going to be doing a walk around uh, on one of their brush trucks and their electric engine. We're going to be doing a walk around uh, as well. And the crowd can follow us as we do our apparatus innovation type content. And then obviously, it's happy hour and we're going to share a few cold ones with the, with the people coming through the booth. So that's in the Rev group booth on Thursday and Friday from 2 to 4. We're looking forward to meeting you, seeing you, taking pictures, and just having great conversations and tell you what we're doing at FDIC. And lastly, I want to talk about this, our sponsors. Without our sponsors, this podcast channel just isn't possible. And so please, give us another minute or two of your time before we roll into the daily episode and give our sponsors a listen. Our first sponsor of the podcast, Taylor's Tins. Taylor and his crew from Taylor's Tins have been manufacturing metal helmet fronts since 2017. With over 200,000 metal fronts in the market, they are a leader in the metal helmet front space. Their creativity, as well as customer service, sets them apart from the competition. They are manufacturing one-offs within 24 to 48 hours to ship to your door. Not only that, but head over to taylorstins.com and you'll see all the other products that they offer. 
Right now on their homepage, they have a whole page dedicated to vintage metal prints. It's so cool to see the original prints of the fire apparatus, fire hydrants, fire helmets, fire boots, flashlights. It's so cool. They are printed metal tins that hang on the wall that are aged and look to be from the original days of when these prints were drawn, looking for copyright and trademarks. It's really cool. Taylor and his crew are super creative. They're always pushing the envelope as to what products they offer to the fire service. Check them out at www.taylorstins.com. That's, again, taylorstins.com to get a hold of Taylor and his crew. And in the words of Taylor, stop burning up leather. This episode's brought to you by the 2448 Podcast. If you're a first responder with an entrepreneurial streak, check out the 2448 Podcast. Hosted by Sam Massa, who built lighting company Hi-Viz LEDs. During his off time, he serves as a volunteer firefighter and professional EMT. Each week, we tell the stories of different first responder-owned businesses, from small startups to food trucks to companies like National Fire Radio and Fire Department Coffee. Available anywhere you listen to podcasts. Go to the2448.com for more information. That's www.the2448.com for more information about this killer podcast. And if you're coming FDIC this year, join us in booth 13073, right by the entrance in the main hallway where National Fire Radio, yes, us, in conjunction with the 2448 podcast, will be teamed up for live shows throughout the duration of FDIC. It's going to be a killer week out in Indy. Join us at booth 13073 right in the main hallway where you come right into the convention center. We're going to be right there live broadcasting throughout the week. Come see us. Guys, thanks for checking it out. Check out the 2448 podcast. And now without further ado, the daily episode. Hey everyone, Jeremy National Fire Radio back on the podcast like I always start. I said, oh, this guy, I always have an intro. This guy's this, this guy's that. I met this guy here. I don't even know where to begin. Andy Plofkin. I'm gonna, we're going to run through a little bit of his bio, but first off, Andy, thank you for joining me, brother. Thanks for having me. This is cool. You know, you and I have met uh, a bunch of times just at different trade shows, different events, things like that, and then uh, we ended up... Uh, chatting up in Maine several weeks back uh, when we were at the New England Fools event that uh, Rusty and his crew ran, and you were there uh, speaking, and uh, and I was speaking as well. I opened, and then you were, I think, were on Saturday talking how to make the perfect Manhattan, I believe. Is that right? Or old the old-fashioned? Old I'm known fashion. for my old-fashioned. There you go. Damn, I butchered it already. We should just start <laughs> over. No, I listen, I love them both. I'm just getting in the brown liquor, so, you know, I've matured later in life, 46 years old. I'm just starting to enjoy brown liquor, so I can appreciate that, and that's probably why I screwed it up. But the perfect old-fashioned, we're going to get into that later on. But let's go down. Cool. Let's, run the, let's run the gamut real quick. So how do I know, Andy? We met... Several times we uh, ended up chatting. We ended up having a fantastic conversation with your brother as well up in Maine. Um, and we, we just chatted. And it was cool. I did the keynote. I opened up with a keynote talk that night. And it was kind of just to fire people up, right? The room was full. I mean, there had to be 100 and something people in that room. Uh, and, you know, my job solely was to just fire people up for the weekend. And so I'm yelling, cursing, screaming up front, doing my program. And then at the end of it, it was cool. You came over, you said hello, and you're like, you know, I never thought about it that way before. And mm -hmm. that was a moment for me, man. I'm not going to lie. Um, that was pretty cool because you're one of those guys that I kind of look up to, you know, 40 years in the fire service. You've been doing, you know, you've been working for different manufacturers. I think you said for 33 plus years now in the fire service. So you've been around a very long time. And I don't mean that in a detrimental way. I mean that in a very good way. You've, you've been able to bring a lot of positive change to the fire service. Right now, you're the director of North American Regional Sales for Safe Fleet which are brands like Elkhart, FRC, Foam Pro, and ROM, right? I think I got those four correct for you. Um, yes. You know, and Elkhart truly is a big name throughout there, right? And I think Elkhart's going to weave in and out of this conversation all night tonight um, just because of the powerful brand that that is, you know, outside of Safely too, right? It's just it carries this um, just an incredible positive stigma that comes with it, and I mean stigma in a very good way. Um, you know, it's got a fantastic reputation. It's a company that has kind of rebranded 
the way the fire service wants to look at how the fire service should be uh, talking about products and where a company like Elkhart and, and the others become immersed into the culture. I mean, these are all very important things. And you've been there for quite a while now helping steer that ship, right? Um, yeah. That's pretty. Mm-hmm. That's got to be pretty exciting for you. It, it, it truly is. And uh, Brass Tax came out. Uh, when I was there, uh, Jerry and Chris really spearheaded that right. and then took it, you know, right along. And, and that's really helped us as a team uh, be able to go in where back in the day, you know, we'd be before that we were starting at ground zero, educating people on whatever it may be. Where now when we go in, they're already halfway you know, down the lane to understand what they're looking for. And the educational aspect of it has been tremendous. So, um, and, yeah. go ahead. No, I was going to say, so just if, if people are listening and they, they live under a rock, you're talking about Brass Tax Hard Facts, which is this incredible educational series, short-form educational series that Elkar Brass puts out through social media and on YouTube and Facebook and everywhere else, right? And what it is is bringing together some of the greatest minds – in the fire service to talk about not just the product, but it's more education, right? You want to, we want educated consumers, right? Cause educated consumers, a consumer that knows what they're looking for and asking the right questions makes for a better consumer. And then frankly, a better firefighter. Right. And so you guys educate through experience. That's 100%. And as you said, we went out and got the best instructors in the industry and let them go with the product. And it, it it's not a sales pitch. It is an educational uh, video series that people can go out and learn about, whether it's standpipe, whether it's hose and nozzle packages, all the different things that are associated with that to get them to the right end result. And um, as you mentioned, that uh, understanding of the ability to educate the end consumer and then they are going to gravitate to the best decision for that department that's right and and we're truly you know blessed that we have a company that stands behind us with that to be able to go out and you know instruct at various conferences or be a part of it i'm just coming back from uh drain the bay up in traverse city michigan eight hours each way I've uh, been doing that one for three years, and it's it's a small micro conference, but it's one of those things that nobody was going up there, and you know, trying to get that educational aspect out there to play with different hose and nozzle packages. So, well, the one thing I part of it. yeah, and the one thing I do know, so Chris and Jerry have been on the podcast before, and and I I speak to them every so often. It's just it's nice to have people like yourselves, um, you know, friends of ours and friends of our platform, because it's important to me to surround ourselves with the best. And when you look at companies like Safe Fleet and then the brands underneath that and the willingness and commitment of a large company to put their people out into the trenches, because that is where you guys single-handedly are winning over customers and educating firefighters at every single conference you go to. And you guys are spread all over the country, hitting these conferences, being a part of them. It's not there to sell. You're there to educate. And I think that is very much why you guys are the brand and powerhouse that you've become. It's because you've looked at that and said, education first, sales second. Would agree with that wholeheartedly. And there's, you know, eight regional managers that are underneath me that all have a uh, truck set up to be able to go out and do flow demos, light demos, talk about different products, whatever it may be, troubleshoot and all that. And I mean, I still have a, a rig myself that... I'm, I'm trying to maintain a certain number of conferences that I'm attending, but there's nothing for me to go out and do 40, 50 flow demos a year where most of the guys are in that 60 to 70 range. And that's part of the business that I still truly enjoy, that I get to interact with the end user distribution yeah. and, you know, and my guys help drive a team to to build them up. I mean, I have four new guys in the last 
year that are all, you know, have been in the industry, but have not been a part of Safe Fleet to try and build that culture to get them out there. And they have to, they have to be able to pivot from one thing to the next. I mean, you could be talking about GPM one minute and Lumens the next or yeah. Lux or whatever it may be, or Centipoise a phone. It's a very, very diverse group of guys that you can't have somebody that just wants to do one thing. They got to be able to, you know, pivot to different products very quickly. No, I love that. But I also think too, the importance of that is when you're out like that and you're at these conferences and you're doing these flow demos and you're in flow demos and you're working with firefighters, you guys get a real sense. You have a finger on the pulse of what's happening, right? So if there's this underlying conversation or something that keeps rearing its head, you guys as a company can react to that. And like you said, pivot, like being able to pivot on today's times because things move so fast, a company that's in the trenches and working with firefighters day in and day out, side by side, that's where you guys can make change and grow. One hundred percent. And I think it's also working your way to become the trusted advisor yes. to that department. You are not there to sell them anything. Honestly, no one can physically buy product from us. We sell through distribution. Yep. So they have to go somewhere else to get it. Ours is just working that to get them to that point to go out for spec and, and then drive it from that end. Yeah. And you said it before. I think it's a lot of fun. You said, I still enjoy it. I still have my own truck. I still get out there and do 40 or 50 conferences a year or flow demos. Like, that's got to be exciting, man, because you're still into it, right? 40 years in the fire service. You've been selling different types of equipment off and on for 30-plus years. You're still a fireman, Greenville Fire Protection District in Illinois. So the 150 nights you're not on the road, you're back home going to fire mm-hmm. calls, family man, like all these things, right? So like I just break it down for me. Like where does this passion, this love that you have for the fire service, where did it all start, man? Well, it started with my family um, and and back at, you know, Nichols Fire Department, which we were talking yeah. about earlier, is that that's where I got my start. And I am so fortunate that I had a great foundation. And when I say that, I mean I got involved with a great group of guys um, that my dad joined, I was probably seven, eight years old. And the next thing you know, we grew up on a lake. So the next thing you know, we had two stations in Nichols. My house was station three. And there were guys at my house swimming in the backyard, sled riding, partying like rock stars, having a time of their lives. And I looked at that and said, that's pretty cool. I want to be that when I, I grow be a up. Part right. Of that. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And, um, and then it, you know, it evolved into that to where I joined the department. Um, and my, my dad was already there. He had moved on to be a Lieutenant. My brother was a, a couple years ahead of me. My sister joined my mom. Uh, she was the commissioner for 20 years and then the tax collector for nine. So the whole family was involved. I mean, if we were at a birthday party and the tones dropped, you're, you're seeing, you're seeing a dozen people bail out of there, yeah. you know, and go to a call. So that was, that was the enjoyment of it that gave me that base to start. And, you know, we trained every Thursday night. You had the monthly meeting on Tuesdays. You were up there doing stuff on Saturdays. We had a shop at our station too. I could go work on my truck or do whatever I wanted to do. It was, it was a, a real culture that, that helped build that. The, the other thing that was unique um, was the East Coast, you know, it was parades every Friday or Saturday night, class yeah. A uniform marching, you know, showing off our, pro, you know, our, our rig. That, and we won the state convention a couple of years while I was up there for best custom apparatus and, you know, different things that way. We took pride in our equipment. Yeah. And it, it's funny, when I moved to the Midwest, I lost a lot of that, that I, I there's no parades really out here except for a local little parade where you're not going to a county parade and you're getting, you know, 20, 30 rigs there and a bunch of firemen behind a snow fence, you know, drinking <laughs> beer and eating hot dogs, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> having I mean, a blast. Well, that's, you know? what, that's what we grew up on in the Northeast, right? Yeah. The volunteer yep. fire service in the Northeast is just so steeped in tradition. Not that other parts of the country isn't, but 
a lot of a lot of times the Northeast has very long standing fire departments that have been around for a very long time. And within that is that entrenched culture of parades and pride and, you know, and so on. And, and unfortunately, a lot of it's gone by the wayside now. There's not, you know, half as much as what it used to be um, and so on. And there's obviously the obvious reasons for that. But I think back to my time, too, and I think back to the amount of parades that we went to in class a uniforms and the amount of wet downs or parties we went to or clam bakes or you know Mm -hmm. socials like all of that stuff and that really drove this culture of togetherness right like it it put together that sense of family where a bunch a bunch of misfits and and guys that probably would never get together anywhere else under the firehouse roof were, were as strong as, you know, as one. And um, it was just a really great time for me as well. I have such fond memories of that stuff. Uh, agreed. And it, it was, like you said, it was that that time, that brotherhood. I mean, I, I was fortunate enough or maybe not fortunate enough to ride the rear step yeah. for three years, you know, before they took us off that. And th- that was the time that you you trusted that guy, that he was holding you while you were putting your, you know, your coat on or for your sure. boots or whatever it was as you're, you know, scooting down the road, going to a call. That was that was awesome times. And um, the the other thing that Nichols was known for in World War II, they started a night crew uh, because the soldiers that were overseas protecting, you know, our country, they felt that the village should not be unprotected. So they had a bunk uh, room with eight bunks, and I lived there for five years um, while I was going to college and doing that, and it was it was awesome times. Yeah, uh, to be able to be first out, you know, we were out the door in three minutes. And, you know, to have that was, was awesome. They still have it today. Is that so, right? Yeah. 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 I, they still make that today. Yeah. That's really cool. I mean, I remember, I know you and I were chatting about this and I remember, you know, Nichols, you're very proud of, of your, of your start and where you, you know, where you started. And mm-hmm. I remember, you know, I remember talking to you about this up in Maine a couple of weeks ago when I saw you and we were chatting about it. And I said, you know, Nichols is one of those departments that stood out to me by the name because I remember seeing them on firecompanies.com. And when the internet first came around, there were a yep. lot of fire departments doing their websites, but there, let me rephrase, there were not a lot of fire departments doing websites and updating it regularly with incidents and calls. And I was so like into that at the time, trying to find different departments and what they do that I came across Nichols on the firecompanies.com website. And I remember that they were like a leader in, they were one of the departments that stood out to me in putting their content out very early on. Yep. Yep. Uh, they, they definitely have done that for years and, you know, just been one of those departments that was not afraid to go out and do, you know, unique things, whether it was apparatus or whatever it may be. Um, just, just doing that type of stuff. And, you know, I'm very fortunate that I went to two other departments after that, when I lived in Indiana and they were, you know, smaller departments. It's weird going from, you know, a million dollar budget to go into twenty seven or twenty nine thousand dollar year uh, a year budgets, Night and, and I mean, they they still fight fire the same way. They still do whatever they can to you know get in and and make things happen. But um, I was very fortunate that Nichols adopted my first Indiana department and donated a lot of equipment, hmm. different things that way. Yeah. So that was good. And then you know the second department was good. But it was funny. I was really one of the older guys there and now where i'm at in greenville it's it's a little bit more of a senior group of guys and i'm glad that i'm going to finish out my career with with a good group of you know older guys that know a lot they do a lot of training um and uh you know everybody's always trying to get better at stuff you know we're in a small town here about eight thousand people we have a college um you know just Lots of uh, equipment and and good people, and that that's what you find out in the Midwest. You know, um, been here as I was telling you before, twenty nine years. So I'm at that split, twenty nine in Connecticut, twenty nine here. So I I definitely. love. I mean, what you just said is huge, right? It resonates. Good people, like yeah. you, you yeah. got to find good people. The fire service needs good people. It's the only way we're going to keep plugging forward. And keeping yep. the cultural values alive, right? Whether it's career or volunteer, it doesn't matter. There has to be a level of values that have to be held in place. And we need good people. It's just getting harder and harder to find them. 
Yeah, and they actually have a cadet program too that they're they've got like six or seven you know kids in there now. So that that shows that it's continuing on, which is exciting because I'm I'm able to help them out when I'm around or or do different things. And you know I'm I'm fortunate that I get to travel all over the country and see you know different ways of doing things that I can help bring back and you know educate or or do whatever it may be with the with the company. So that's you know that's awesome. Well, you know, here's what I find a lot, and I'd love to, I'd love your take on this, Andy. Typically, a lot of guys that are out on a national stage that are touring, going to a lot of conferences, teach at a lot of conferences, you know, a lot of times those guys come back to their home turf and they're treated like crap, and guys don't care. They don't care about their influence. They don't care about their experience. They don't care about their message. And a lot of times that can be super discouraging, right, that a guy is traveling all over and teaching, comes back to his own department, and he's, and he's you know, and nobody gives a crap that he has something to offer, you know. And that's challenging. Yeah. And I watch, like, guys like yourself. I mean, you work for some very big-name companies, right? I mean, Safely and the brands underneath that. I mean, you bring an incredible wealth of knowledge and experience. And not only that, but uh, a list of friends that you can lean on or call for advice mm-hmm. or questions, right? I mean, you're yep. one of those guys that probably has one of the best, and I'm going to use a word that most young kids don't know what it is, Rolodex in, mm-hmm. in the business, right? Yep. Because yep. you work with so many different people at so many different parts of your life that you have somebody probably for everything that you could reach out to. And so I wonder that influence for you when you come back to your home department. I mean, how beneficial is that for your home department? I, I got two things to that, Jeremy. Yeah. And what Talk it comes to back to is that when I joined the department, regardless of who you are, you're a probie Hell yeah. for four to six months. And here I am, 38 <laughs> years in the fire service, you're a probie. And I'm just like, really? So, but you know what? It really taught me how they operate yes. and how they might operate a little bit differently on whether, you know, what rig goes out first or, you know, where the equipment is. All the different things that I might have missed if I didn't go through that process. And it was it was awesome to do that. And, you know, I was I was fine with it. It didn't matter to me. You know, I've worn many different helmets. It's whatever it is. So, but it was cool to go through that. Sure. Um, And then the second part of it was, was lead by example. Many, many guys didn't even know who I was. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny that, you know, I'm, I'm not a big Instagram guy. I'm more of a Facebook guy. Maybe it's my age, but it's funny when you start looking about the people that you know start popping up because you know they're they're, they're checking you out at that point. So it was cool to see that a bunch of the guys were doing that. Maybe one on a couple calls. I'm the first guy grabbing irons. I'm the first guy grabbing this, whatever it may be. I That's what I do. And, and hopefully that I can bring some different things to the department when it comes to that aspect. So I'm, I'm not a bowl in a China shop. I'm more of a soft, soft, you know, take it through there and, and let's go ahead. And this is the way I'm going to do it and, you know, go from there. Yeah. Um, it was funny. A lot of guys, we had a call on uh, Christmas Day, about 11 o'clock this, uh, in 22 this past year. And I showed up. And I didn't go to the station because it was between the the fire was between the station and I. It was a, a one story going good in the you know uh, in the living room area into the kitchen. It, it extended into there, and I showed up in my work black gear and work tan. And everybody looked and said, "Who the hell's that?" And then they looked and saw me, and then it was like, "Oh, okay, that's Andy." But nobody really put that two and two together. That it was like that, you know, he it's does a lot of different stuff. Yeah. So it was it was awesome, and it, you know, it's been fun. And they give me, you know, hell just like anybody else would. And that's that's right when you know, so. yeah, exactly. And you know, I give it right back. So <laughs> it's a good thing. You um. Through your experience, I mean, we talk about the the Rolodex that you have and and so on. Mm -hmm. I mean, over your years of doing this, the relationships that you have built, what has that done for you? I mean, just as an individual, somebody that's absolutely, and you're a self-proclaimed fire buff, right? And we're going to get into all that, the apparatus you own and, you know, your, you know, all the paraphernalia you own and so on. But like, you're a buff. But like, when you think about it, you know, and you sit back and you think about the guys that you can you work next to, you rub elbows with, you teach, you know, I mean, you were, you sent me a slide before with all the conferences that you've taught at, like the list yeah. just goes on and on and on. Like you ever just sit back and be like, man, this has been a pretty good run. 
it, it, it's been an awesome run. And the best thing is, is that you, you run all the guys that are involved on that side of it on the instructor level or whatever it may be. There's very little egos within them and they're all just great guys. And, you know, my, my biggest thing is just hanging out with them and bouncing ideas off of each yes. other, whatever it may be that, Hey, have you ever thought about this or just listening to this or whatever it may be? And I, I remember at a very young age, I, I was told that I had two ears and one mouth. Listen, listen twice as much as you talk and you might get something right. So, and, and the other side of it is, is I had awesome mentors when I first, you know, started in the industry that people taught me that remembering something, whether it was a name, whether it was a diameter orifice and flow, whatever it may be, those things are important. And, you know, you can go back to, for some reason, my mind works differently. And you can ask any one of my guides that they're like, that guy remembers part numbers like nobody. Yep. And it comes back to that very early that I had to, you know, I didn't have a cell phone. I started with a pager and a bag phone. Yep. Okay. And you didn't store numbers in that. So you had to remember people's, or you had a book that opened up with a bunch of business cards in it. Yeah. And you used the pay phone. <laughs> you know, those were the ways that the, you know, I started in the business and people taught me it was important to, you know, to know someone's name and, and go deeper, you know, that way with them and, you know, jump right in. That's the, that's the other thing is, you know, guys ask me to help, you know, whatever teach or whatever it may be, because they know I'm going to be there early and I'm going to be there late and I'm going to hustle all day long and, and I'll go wherever I need to, to help somebody out. And that's, that's the important part of it. You know, you got to be a support network for people because that's what they're looking for. They're looking for an answer and I don't care if it's, you know, seven o'clock at night or you know, seven o'clock in the morning. If you if you're gonna reach out to me, I'm gonna hit you back with something. Yeah, so. I mean, but it's that it's that early on inception into the job, right? That you learned how to love it, right? I mean, you like yeah. you know, I'm just going back a little bit, and I'm thinking about you know the house on the lake where the guys came over. It was now considered Station Three, right? And it's like you're yeah. sitting there as a young impressionable kid watching mm -hmm. this interaction, and you're like, man. This is powerful. How do I become a part of this? But not only be a part of it, but how do I how do I become it? Right? Like, you know what I'm you know what I'm trying to get at? It's 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 yeah. bigger. It's bigger than you. And I think you probably knew that early on. And then looking back, and the reason why I asked you, like when you when you think about the people that you get to work with and the people and the knowledge and experience you get to learn from those people and they check their egos at the door, it's not about it's not about you. It's not about them. It's just about it, right? Yep. It, it, it truly is. And as you were pointing out, you know, the guys that were at the house, they, they were talking about fire. But I'm going to tell you, when I joined the department, nobody cut me no slack. Yes. I, I was probably rode harder than than anybody. And, you know, whether it was hazed or whatever it may be, I think they took it to a new level. <laughs> so it was, it was, you know, part of that process of the, you know, being a part of the team that, you know, hazing was allowed back in the day and, and went through quite a bit of it. So it was, it was what made you feel part of the team and, and part sure. of the group. And, 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 and I guess my drive comes from, you know, whether it's my family or my grandparents, cause they both own businesses, what was treat people as you want to be treated and, and everything else will fall into place. And that, that has always stuck with me and resonated that I want people to feel comfortable and, you know, treat them as I would want to be treated. So, and that, that goes for product that goes for anything. Well, so. and that's what I was just thinking, right? Because you said you call me at seven in the morning or seven or at night, or I'm at a conference. You need me to roll up my sleeves. I'm in, right? Like yep. just experience, right? And then opportunity. Yeah. Like I, I just, I think so many people miss out on opportunity. And I think you're a man of opportunity because I know I am. Mm -hmm. And I know yeah. just from talking with you uh, a few times and looking at different things and so on. But like, if I see opportunity, I'm going to do everything I can to get in the mix. Right. And I'm like that yep. on the, I'm like that in the fire ground, but I'm like that in life too. You give me yep. an opportunity. I want to be a part of it. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, I'm not above rolling hose, hauling hose, doing whatever it takes, you know, get on the line, pee to it, do whatever. That's what I'm there for. I'm there to assist 
and 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 help people. You know, when I go into a department, it's funny. I, I take a certain approach when I show up at a customer, and it's no different than a fire scene. You do a 360, right? I do a 360 on the truck so I can understand what they're doing and how they're, you know, responding to fires with the equipment, whatever it may be, you know, what breathing apparatus they're using, what this they're using, whatever, you know? And um, I've really gotten into inspecting equipment lately because I'm finding a lot of horrible things on nozzles of broken pieces, this, that, or whatever it may be. And that, that's starting to become more into my, you know, into my, my grind when I'm out there with a department doing something is, hey, let me see what you got. You know, let's lay it out and I'll find screws missing. I'll find this. I'll find that. I don't care who the manufacturer is. I've had enough of them apart that I know pretty well how it comes apart and how it goes together. Sure. Sure. So that, and, you know, it doesn't matter. It could be any product. Um, so uh, of any of my history of different companies I've worked for, I'm there to help them or put them in touch. You said the Rolodex. I could, you know, hit boom, the, the MSA guy. I can hit, you know, whoever on spot, whatever it may be, any of those yeah. that, uh, you know, there, whatever, or, or a rig or an ambulance, um, you know, I can get to different people. So. This episode's brought to you by Fast Rescue Solutions. Fast Rescue Solutions was created with the mission to develop products and training that surpass currently accepted industry standards and that meet the operational challenges of the real world. Their mission is, always has been, and it always will be to revolutionize rescue and save lives. Fulfilling both the mission and the vision, the Fastboard is a disruptive technology in rescue. Invented by 28-year Philadelphia firefighter Eric Allen, who has over 20 years in the Philadelphia Fire Department Special Operations Unit. Nationally, the average time for rescuing a downed firefighter is 15 to 20 minutes using five or more members. The Fastboard has the ability to reduce that time to five minutes or less using only two to three members, which is 500 times faster than the national average. Originally designed to get a fire down, firefighter down and out of a basement, the fast board has been proven effective in nearly every rescue situation. RIT can find space, trench and ice water rescue, hazmat, mass casualty, and the list goes on and on. Its simplicity and versatility make it a game changer. I've been calling it a game changer for the last five years, and it truly is changing the way firefighter removal and rescue and civilian rescue is being done. Come find them at FDIC. Uh, they'll be at booth 13120 in the Capitol Corridor. Also this year, it's known as Firefighter Road. There's a ton of firefighter-owned businesses out in that Capitol Corridor. That's where you want to be, supporting our own. Stop in and see the crew from the Fast Rescue Solutions for live demos and meet the tribe. Their tribe, there's nothing better than that. This is tried and true brothers and sisters that are into the game, and they are making the job better join them wednesday thursday and friday of fdic week from three to five in the main corridor and you can have a cold one with them for happy hour come down meet the crew let them know who you are and let them show you why they're changing the game fast rescue solutions changing the game in the way we're protecting our own and the civilians we're sworn to protect check them out well, and we we need a we need guys like that, and I, I think that that's where the networking and the opportunities matter, right? When you take mm -hmm. advantage of opportunities that present themselves, you grow not only as a person, but you grow in the face of others. You work with others. You get to know more people. I mean, the networking, and that's what I was thinking too. Just the rolodex that you have, the people that you you know you work with and and play with, like. Man, what a, what an incredible network that allows you to bring so much to the table for your customers. It's huge. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, it, it truly is. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you, long time in the fire service, 40 years, you've been doing the industrial side of things. And when I say industrial, selling products in the fire service for over 30 years, how much change have you seen? And I don't mean to like broad stroke, but just like kind of narrow in a little bit like, I think, and the reason why I bring this up is you, you, you had a line on your one slide. It said, it's a movement, not a moment. And I think about that, and I think a lot about Elkhart when you say that, because, you know, you guys really have created a movement in educating firefighters about nozzle selection, hose and nozzle packages and things like that. But I'm just talking broader stroke for half a second, the fire service itself, right? Yeah. I mean, what yeah. if, what if I, it, do it? 
so I, if I'm not mistaken, I think Brian Brush was the one who, who came up with that slogan. And it was about, you know, the nozzle world is that how it has evolved. And that was where that came through. And it was on the back of uh, one of the t-shirts at FDIC, you know, different things that way. But, but the movement aspect of it is that it takes a very long time to get through an, uh, you know, an evaluation. It is that early adopter that starts to take it on and looking at a city and then it starts migrating out to the suburbs or whatever it may be. Or sometimes it starts in the suburbs and migrates to the to the city, but it is an actual movement. And, you know, if you think back before brass tacks, there were nozzle sales, but it was nowhere near where it's really peaked in the last couple of years. Um, that, you know, there's still a lot of room for growth and, and people coming on board um, with the whole XD Nation and everything else oh that God, it continues to just grow and grow. And that movement is, you know, everybody, all, all cylinders firing, you know, going out and grinding. And that's, I call it a hamster wheel someday because you're going from one to the next to the next to the next. And, you know, you get home for a weekend or something or you sometimes you don't. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of times that you're just going and going and going. And I, I think on one of the things I sent you that, you know, 30, 40,000 miles a year, that's like 12 and a half weeks of driving. Yes. That's a lot. Yes. And, and the, the best thing is, is that, you know, the difference in the fire service from, or, or in the fire industry from when I joined it was how more effective I can be rolling down the road in a safe manner. Yes. That, I, yeah. Safe as in the company that I work for, Safe Fleet. I have to be safe while I'm rolling down the road, hands-free right. and all that. But it's a matter of the amount of business that can be conducted while you're rolling down the road and having an incredible inside force of people that can help you get things done. Because I'm nowhere near one of our factories. And being able to have that um, the resource of a certain person that's going to jump through the hoops to get something to a customer to take care of them or whatever it may be. That is huge. And, and that's, that's as important as my Rolodex is the inside being able to, you know, rely on people to be able to take care of stuff that you really need because you can't do it yourself. It's all aspects of the business believing, you know, the, the company itself having this culture of letting their people promote the brand and what it, the brand stands for, right? It's identifying mm -hmm. yep. that and then endorsing your people to go out and do that. I think what's really cool, when I said it's a movement, not a moment, right? You, you credited Brian Brush for, for that slogan for you guys and so on, which is cool because I know you have a great relationship with him and so many others. Yeah. But then you said it takes a movement, yeah, but that takes a long time. And when, yeah. you, when you break that down, you know, that is where education matters because I've seen firsthand – where you have these young kids riding aggressive engine companies. And when I say aggressive engine company, it doesn't mean that they're any more aggressive firematically, but you look at how their engines are set up. Or you look at the pride in their hose packs and the, their willingness to stretch lines, and they know what nozzle selection they have on there. They know why they run that nozzle. The, the fact that Smoothbore made this huge resurgence in the fire service over the last how many years, right, versus, you know, automatic and fog nozzles, right? Like, yep. there's, there's been in these unbelievable shifts and a lot of it has to do with educating the consumer about why and what works and i think now more than ever in the fire service we're at a very interesting time i should say when it comes down to believing in science we have people that want the facts whereas years ago i don't think people really gave two shits about the facts i think yeah. people want to be better educated today and I, I think that that is where you guys really have found a niche. And that's where it does take a long time to create a movement. But once you get that stone rolling downhill, it just gets going faster and faster. It, it, it really does. And it's the, um, there, there's a term that we use called the force multiplier where you go out and educate, whether it's the dealer or different people, but that just keeps building and building and building. And now you have not just 10 disciples out there talking engine, you have a hundred and that keeps building and building. That is, that is awesome. You know, to see that and then sit back and be like, wow, 
that is something to what it really morphed into. So and to, and to be a part of it, right? Like yeah. you, you get oh, to yeah. you get to be a part of that equation where you're your force multiplier when you go to these conferences and you get to educate maybe a hundred students in a in a long weekend. And then yep. you think about what they're going to take back and they're going to be able to promote your brand just through education, just by yes. talking about the interaction they had with you or how dialed in and specific you are with the information they were asking and you were able to answer their questions. Like that is where the manufacturer versus the dealer, it matters to put the manufacturer putting their people out there to represent their product. Let the dealers sell it, but let the manufacturers educate, man. And I just, yeah. it's such a great equation. I love it. I absolutely I'll, love I'll it. I'll tell you, the, the thing that continues to motivate me every day is the light bulb moment when I'm with that guy and he gets what I'm conveying to him. Cool. And he's like, holy cow. This is so easy or this is, this is, oh my gosh, we're flowing this much and I can move and I can do this. That, that's what gives me goosebumps, man. Just to, just to go out and do that on a regular basis. It's, it's awesome. It's awesome for me. And it's awesome for my guys that they get to experience that. And it's, you know, they call up and like, wow, I just did this. And it's like, <laughs> that is great. Keep doing it. Right. And, and that's, that's the best part of it that you get to empower them or the department and empower them to go in and save lives and increase their gallons per minute and, and, you know, make saves or do whatever. I'll never forget it. I was doing a class down at, um, I think it was water on the fire. And I, I showed a, basically a Bresnan off a 25 foot pony off of an aerial. And I was flowing, you know, 400 gallons a minute. And two months later, um, gentleman up in Wisconsin sends me videos on a Sunday morning and they had had a, a basically um, a trailer fire that was butted up against um, a dock and the only way they were going to get to it was cut it open or start pulling stuff out and he said man I remember that he took the aerial brought it over it was already uh, you know vented through the top he dropped that in there and put the thing out and like you know, a minute. I love it. And that was, I was like a proud dad at the yeah, moment. I was like, yeah, holy yeah. cow, you know, yeah. they took what I had taught them and, and put it to use and save time, save, you know, whatever property, whatever it may be. And that's, that's cool. That's empowering. <laughs> I, I couldn't agree with you more. And in fact, like it's, and that's pretty, that's a unique experience, but you could mm -hmm. just break it down. Something simple where guys can move an inch and three quarter with a, sp a specific nozzle and move it correctly mm -hmm. when it's pumped, charged, and paired correctly, right? Like, yep. there are there are firefighters across this country that have never moved a line correctly because they haven't been given the tools or the knowledge to do that. And that, yep. to me, is like, those are the things that we have to do better at. And I think we are doing better now more than ever is where we're really educating the firefighter now about the importance. And when they do get it in their hands and they move a two and a half by themselves flowing and they go, holy crap. When I went yep. to probie school, they told me this is a three or four man line. And here I yep. am moving it myself, man. The validation that comes with that is huge, but it also just sets it apart. You don't know what you don't know until you're taught. Yep. It's Until huge. you really need it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And and, and and you know, even the hybrid hoses of two inch or two and a quarter, right. dropping the water weight, being able to move that so you're not struggling with yeah. it. Yeah. It's still flowing, you know, in that two fifty range all day long. Uh, so, so funny. When you guys get, when you guys get going on conversations like that and you know, a lot of the hose guys too, and then you know, you nozzle guys and I sit back and I've been in the room with a lot of great people. And I just sit back and I just listen and I'm like, man, I'm so dumb. I'm like, I'm so dumb. The the amount of smarts in this room is I shouldn't even be in this room, let alone being yep. able to listen to it. But it's just incredible the amount of knowledge and experience that is out there. And all you have to do is go seek it out. It's available yep. today. It's available. It is. It is. So let me ask you this. Self-proclaimed self fire buff. Right. Where do you find time for that? Because, I mean, the last 40 minutes of this podcast has been spent about talking about everything that you're doing. Where are you finding time for yourself, man? Like, where's the enjoyment for yourself? I know you get a lot of enjoyment out of the job. You get a lot of enjoyment at the firehouse, still being a fireman after 40 years. I get that. I know that you travel the country with Safe Fleet and the Elkhart brand and so on. And I get that. 
What do you do for yourself, man? Is it the buff stuff, the collecting? Well, it, like, it, what has is it? Been, it, it has been the buff stuff and the, the two rigs that I own, the 55 LaFrance 700 series and the 58 Maxim. I, when I moved to Illinois, I didn't have a big enough barn to support those. So I went ahead and uh, they, they went on to two wonderful homes of, of gentlemen that are taking excellent care of them. Nice. But for, for when I had those, it was it was that relief of instant gratification of going out and working on it. And I, I've always had some type of a mechanical background where I like to, you know, work on stuff and, and make it better, whatever it may be. I've I've redone an 1860s Greek revival home. I've built a log home, done a lot of different things. I'm very hands-on when it comes to that type of stuff. And um, that, that's my enjoyment, I guess, uh, something though, I'll tell you after COVID or during COVID, we got locked down and, uh, that's when we, we really looked at moving to Illinois because we ended up finding a home on a lake and, um, I, I can sit there and watch nature every morning for a half hour and ground myself. I love that. And that's something that is very hard to do when you are at such a high level all the time that I can just sit back, drink my coffee, experience nature and watch that, you know, transform in front of me that 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 slows me down a little bit to be able to move on to the next thing and do that. So and you know, they say sometimes that when you're working so hard, you become ineffective. And that's the one thing that I never want to become. I want to still be effective and change make things you know better for the guys uh that are underneath me or better for the company and keep coming up with new products or whatever it may be i'm i'm on different groups that we're looking you know all the new products that we're coming out with and how to go to distribution with them and you know go to market type strategies and things that way so so that's fun and you know you talk about the rolodex i'm very fortunate that i have you know, a group of people that I can reach out to confidentially and talk about, hey, what do you think of this program if I launched it today? Or what do you think about this so that I can get that voice of customer, voice of dealer, voice of whatever? Because if I think it's great and they don't, it's not going anywhere. So what what can we do to, to bolster that and, and get them on board? But that, that's been the biggest thing is, you know, just trying to to, to sit back and, and, you know, experience life a little bit. Cause I'm getting up there in the twilight years. So it's, uh, you know, it's at that point. So I, I'm, I I'm get that. To... I, man, that, that, um, that quote that you shared with me is, is good. I never really heard it before, to be honest with you. I mean, I'm not the, the most red guy in the world, but work so hard that you become ineffective. I, yeah. I think that there's so much validity to that. I, I think that yeah. there's so much to that. And to be able to recognize that, um, I'm starting to more and more realize when I need to just take it a notch down and, and disconnect yep. for a little bit and, and so on. I mean, you can only go at, at a certain pace for so long before you need just a, a quick timeout to regroup, yep. you know? Um, yeah. my wife would love what you said about grounding with nature. Like my, <laughs> that's my wife, man. Walk outside without shoes on. She'll stand in the yard for an hour if she could in the morning and just, yeah. you yeah. know, refocus, you know? That's cool. Yeah, there, you, you pass you pass so much in your life, and you know, I'm if if you added up twenty five years, somewhere between thirty and forty thousand miles a year, because I've been grinding that long, that the things that I see on the side of the road that are just you know epiphany moments that are like wow, I'll never forget driving one time that I was I was heading from Detroit down to Columbus, Ohio. And I went through an Amish community and the guy's out there working uh, a three horse team plowing up dirt. And no, not everybody gets to see that. Yeah. And I stopped and pulled over and I was like, holy cow, this is amazing to see what they were doing. And, and to understand and say to yourself, holy cow, imagine how they had to do that back in the day. You know, and go back to those those times. And, you know, that's what really drives me as a buff is what they had to go through back in the day. You know, wow. I mean, just that 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 LaFrance was cool because it had wipers on the inside of the windshield, not just the outside. <laughs> right. I mean, cool, that was yeah. an option. Yeah, that was an option. And it's like, God, you know, I mean, one of the first rigs I rode was a 64 uh, F-Series Maxim. Sure. That was a open cab. 
I can remember coming back from calls with sleep beating on the back of my neck or whatever it may be in the jump seat. And it was like, holy crap. Yeah. This is awesome, you know. Yeah. Even though I was freezing, it was awesome. Yeah. Well, back then, so, back then, the last thing you wanted to do was be sitting there, and now today you yeah. want to be back sitting there, right? It's like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, exactly. I love that, but I love that about the nostalgia of the fire service, and I love how we get mm-hmm. caught up in that. And I think it's that ro- to romanticize like what we remember as kids growing up and the influence sure. that the fire service has had on us. And I really hope that kids coming into the fire service today. We'll be able to in 30, 40 years be be romantic about it like you are, how I am, right? I really hope that the foundation we're laying today for these kids just coming in now in 2023, I really hope that in 2053, 30 years from now, they're just as romantic in love with it like you and I are. Yeah, and I, uh, you know, honestly, um, I think it will still be there because I'm I'm in a lot of departments that still have their first rig or whatever it may be, and they have a separate, you know, kind of like a display area for it. And you know, that that's typically after I'm done with my demo, I'm I'm looking at that stuff. I'm like, show me what you got, and that. you yeah. know. Just to be able to see the different things that are in different areas, and, um, and and do that. So that's that's some cool stuff. Are you excited about what you're seeing out there? I mean, is yeah. this in in 2023 in the in the fire service in North America? Are you excited? Yes, I'm. Um, I'm seeing, you know, people become more and more interested in different, you know, you know, whether it's water flow, whether it's lighting, whether it's foam with the new foams, you know, roll up doors, whatever it may be, the products that we offer, people are diving deeper into that. The, the, the worst thing is, is nobody can get anything, right? You're looking at 24 to 36 months for a rig now. Yeah. That's a long-term challenge to, you know, that you're waiting that long that we're seeing people try to get their equipment to go further. So, but, you know, the, the new people that are getting into it, um, the, the older people that have been around and passing on that information. I mean, I, I just think it's, it's awesome. And, you know, like you said, I get to sit in some of the coolest rooms with the, with the most incredible people, yes. um, you, you know, and I don't care if it's on the East coast, the, the Midwest or wherever it may be that I really get to, to hang out with some awesome people that, that really want to pass it on. And, you know, my, my biggest thing is as, as, as I wind down the whole deal is going to be, you know, leave it better than I found it. And that's, that's every day when I get up, what can I do different today to leave it better than I found it and keep, keep driving for that. I love that. You still have it in you, right? I guess the day you wake up and you no longer say that to yourself, I guess is the day you got to look in the mirror and say, well, is it time for me to step aside and let somebody else, carry yep. on the torch right and, and it's having that awareness to know when that time comes and and that's the biggest thing with you know this side of the fence is self-motivation i don't go to an office i can sit there and work in my you know my pajamas all yeah, day long right. nobody knows nobody cares as long as i'm working and getting things accomplished but you got to be self-motivated to get up and do it do it every day and and just keep you know keep that uh, ten pounds of pressure a hundred percent of the time like Rob Fisher says yeah that's it you know and it's funny that some days it'll be like man you know how can I do better or somebody's out there doing something well man I want to do better than him and that's that you know that rabbit hair deal there or you know rabbit rabbit tortoise deal where you're always trying to keep getting out there and just keep moving that's that's what drives me every day. To, to get out there and do something different or whether it's doing something around my house to make it better. I'm a project guy. That's my wife. Yeah. I got a project all the damn time. I got to yeah. be doing something because it keeps my mind fresh and oh, that's it. you live and learn. And, you know, I, I like to woodwork. I like to do other stuff that I get instant gratification because what I'm doing business wise can take a very long time. So you got to have that balance. Well, it's a move. It's a movement. Movements yeah. take a long time. And, um, you know, you certainly have been instrumental in the movement of pushing forward the educational services for hose and nozzle packages and so on. And, you know, you've been entrenched in that for quite a long time now. And um, it shows it shows that you've made a difference and you've made an impact um, and so on. So what's what's next for you? I mean, I know you said you got a few years left, but I mean, you know, with with going forward with Elkhart, I'm sure or with Safe Fleet, I'm sure there's a lot of exciting things that are still to come. 
Um, yep. You know, the creativity that you guys show as a company um, speaks volumes. Um, you know, you guys are, you know, truly one of the, the lead authorities in educating the fire service like we've talked about. What's new and exciting coming up? Anything you can share? Anything you know about? Any, any conferences that impress you? Like, give me a little, give me a couple tidbits, man. You're on the road 150 days a year. You got to have your, your finger on that pulse. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, micro conferences are what I enjoy, preferred to a major conference. I, I think it gets too watered down. I like that, you know, personal 30, 50 person class size. Um, once you get above that, you start to lose focus on everything. Um, you know, being with the right people, uh, doing that type of stuff, you know, the different uh, instructors that are out there. Um, r recently, uh, in the last year, I got on staff at uh, IFSI, Illinois Fire Service nice. Institute. Yeah. So I'm doing stuff with them on the engine uh, track side. And, and that, you know, that holds a future for me. For, for when I decide to, to slow my roll a little bit, they're only a hundred miles away. So it's an easy, you know, chip shot for me to get up there and do something with them and, and look at different projects or whatever. But, you know, my, my biggest thing as I start to wind it down is going to be, you know, what can I do afterwards that'll still help the fire service and make it better, but not at the grind of, you know, 120, 150 nights a year on sure. the road. And, sure. and, and, and enjoy more of the lake and, you know, yeah. doing, doing different things that way. So it's, um, it, I, I want to do it as long as I can, yeah, you know, well, as far as that being weather, it, but right? not at the level, you know, yeah, but you, you would still enjoy it. You're always going to be involved at some level, right? I mean, yep. you know, yep. it's, it's one of those things I, you know, we talk about the fire service and I said, you know, for most or for many, I should say it's a lifestyle. Right. It's yeah. not just career or volunteer. It's not just a firehouse. It's everything about your life revolves kind of around the fire service in some way, you know, yeah. and, and it's so it's a lifestyle choice. And um, for you, hell yeah, man, all in. And um, and it shows. But the output that we get from from Andy Plofkin because of your all in attitude shows. And um, you've certainly made an impact in the American fire service brother. And, uh, thank you I, for that. Yeah. It's awesome. I, I, I appreciate that. And, you know, as you, as you reflect on it, it's a three pronged approach, right? Because I'm, I'm into the buff side of it. I'm sure. into the work side of it. And then, you know, my, my volunteering at the station, I mean, that's, that's all part of it. And it's been my life for my entire life. Yes. <laughs> so yeah. I wouldn't have it any other way. No, I love that brother. I love that very much, but I mean, what a, what a great conversation tonight. I thank you very much for joining me. Um, I do want to end though on the perfect old fashioned. I want to know a little bit of the story behind that. I want to know why you are the authority on the perfect old fashioned. And I just, I just want to, I just want to learn, man. I didn't have a chance to sit through your class uh, when you gave it. I cut out that day. Um, so I didn't yep. have a chance yep. to, to sit there. So maybe you could share with our audience if you wouldn't mind. So the, the biggest thing in the perfect old fashioned, for some reason, it was becoming a popular drink. And, and the one thing at most of the conferences that I'm at, I end up breaking out. I, I have what's called an Executor 707 travel bar, which is a little case bar that has three bottles in it. The, you know, the, the aluminum cup. And my grandfather had one, and I always wanted one. So that's what really started it. And what is the, what's the hold on? What's the name of it? It's again? an Executaire 707 Travel Bar. You can get them on Etsy. Um, it's it's a really it's a pretty cool thing. So, bro, I just wrote that down. I'm absolutely when we're done with this episode, I'm absolutely going to go look at it and see. So, what it takes so there's work. also a Facebook page called Travel Bar Gurus, and <laughs> you can it. go to that because there's a couple guys that have bought those after seeing mine, and we we started this thing. It's never really blew up, but it's one of those things that guys go there and check it out. But the the biggest part of the old fashioned was is the simple syrup, and I make my own. So went to various bars and tried different things, whether it was St. Elmo's, there's a great bar in Columbus, Ohio called the old fashioned. And that guy started making his simple syrup. And I started, my ears perked up really quick on what he was doing. So is it more than my just eyes. one, is it just more than one part water, one part uh, sugar? Oh God. Oh God. There it is. It's all about, yes. it's all about sugar in the raw. So you do that a 50, 50 mix 
And then I mix mine in mason jars and I put, uh, so I take that to three quarters. It's an eighth Grand Marnier and a eighth of a rosé vermouth, a good vermouth. And that mixed in there gives it a very complex flavor. And then I'm uh, I'm about a hundred proof bourbon type of guy with that. I've made some with 120 proof, but typically stick in that hundred proof range, something with a little bit of a sweet finish to it. Um, and then cherries, you gotta have the right cherries, either Traverse City or Luxardo's. And then obviously the orange peel and uh, mix it up and you're done. So, I, I, so listen, man, that, that makes me so happy that we ended on this. So, and I'm, so and FBIC, I, we're going to hook up and I'm going to make you one. Yeah, you're damn right you are. I'm holding you to that, brother. <laughs> I'm holding you to that. I'm looking right now, the Executor 707. There's a bunch of them online. eBay showing yep. some for sale. I mean, this is... Yep. This That's the real cool. deal, bro. Yo, this is like what fifties <laughs> throwback for like- yeah, sixties, uh, seventies. Yeah, mine's from the sixties. So, yep. Oh my gosh. Well, listen, anybody listening to this episode, Google it. It's the Executaire Seven Hundred Seven Travel Bar Set. Hell yeah, man. That is cool. What um, do you have? You have it right. So you have the handle, oh, yeah. right? The handle is it like leather on the outside? What's it? Uh, some of them inside. are leather. Some of them, this, the one I have is a, is a plastic one, and it's got decals from all different guys sticking them on there and stuff. Oh my god! It's, I love uh, it. We're gonna have to get a tiller time one on there when Hell you come and see. Yeah. Me. Hell yeah! <laughs> that is so cool, bro. I want one so bad now. This is. I'm telling you, awesome. they're they're awesome. Well, brother, thank you, thank you for sharing that. Thank you for just being a friend and uh, no, taking time out you. of your busy schedule. I know how busy you are. Um, just to get you for an hour tonight to, to chat and to learn a little bit more about your story means the world, man. That's why I do this. It's kind of my selfish endeavor. I get to meet really great people. And um, thank you. It was a great conversation, man. I appreciate you very much. No, no. Thank you very much. And uh, I, it's an honor to be on your uh, on your podcast. Awesome. Thank you. Andy Plofkin, thank you, brother. Appreciate you. Stay right where you are. I'm going to sign off the air, and then I'm going to come right back to you, okay? So don't go anywhere. Everyone, thank you again for tuning in to the National Fire Radio podcast. Andy Plofkin, Director of North American Regional Sales for Safe Fleet, which are brands of Elkhart, FRC, Foam Pro, and ROM. 40 years in the fire service, absolutely a game changer in the name of fire service education. He is one of the many great talents that works with Elkhart and promotes the educational brand that they have come to be known for, Brass Tacks and Hard Facts. It's episodes like this that make a difference in the fire service. Push this job forward. Go out and talk about the job because when we talk about the job, we're making the job better. Lastly, the Executor 707. I expect people that listen to this podcast to go out and look at it. And if you can get one and afford one, I'd love for you to tag us in the picture. We'll send you stickers for it. I want the world to be rocking the Executor 707. Andy, thank you, brother. You're a rock star. Everyone, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you at the next one. Jeremy, National Fire Radio. Fire Radio.